Welcome to Living Blind. I'm Naomi Hazlitt, and this podcast is brought to you by Balance for Blind Adults, located in Toronto, Canada. This season of Living Blind is sponsored by Accessible Media Incorporated. Here at Living Blind, we explore the perspectives and lived experiences of people with sight loss and delve into barriers, challenges, and real-life strategies for living life to the fullest. This episode is all about sports for blind and low-vision athletes. What's out there? How do I get involved? And how can I start something in my community if there isn't something in place already? Notice I didn't say I'm your host for this month, and that's because we have a guest host, Madeline Somerville. During her student occupational therapy placement at Balance, Madeline was given the opportunity to conduct an interview on the topic of her choosing for the show. As a longtime soccer player and sports fan, she decided to use this opportunity to bring these two passions together. She reached out to the Ontario Blind Sports Association, and before long, she found herself sitting down with the president of OBSA, Glenn Wade. Glenn gives an overview of his sporting career, explains how the sport of goalball is played, and how things turned out for him and Team Canada in the Paralympics. The two talk about OBSA's outreach programs, and Glenn gives some advice on how to make sports like baseball, hockey, and running with a guide accessible for blind folks in school gym classes and community centres. Glenn Wade established his love of sports as a young boy, and it was at the Ontario School for the Blind where he was able to try out and compete in many sports, such as hockey, baseball, football, wrestling, and goalball. He would go on to pursue goalball professionally, representing Ontario 12 times at the national championships, and was named to the Canadian team four times, with two trips to the Paralympics in 1984 and 1992. He worked at Rogers Communications for 22 years, starting out on the front lines and retiring as a manager in Quality Assurance in 2020. After several decades of playing sports professionally, Glenn decided to turn his attention over to the administrative side of things and work behind the scenes with a parasport organization to ensure continued development and opportunities for the next generation of blind and low vision athletes. He began assisting with events run by the Ontario Blind Sports Association, OBSA, in 2011 and was elected president in 2012. He attributes his success and quality of life largely to the lessons he has learned through sports, including drive, preparedness, persistence, and leadership. All right, Madeline, you've got the mic. So hi, and thank you so much, Glenn, for joining us today. Before we jump into the questions, could you maybe take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners? Good morning, Madeline, and yes, thank you for having me today and uh, for providing some time to discuss uh, blind sports and uh, kind of where things are at in our uh, endeavor to bring it to as many as possible. By way of introduction, uh, name is Glenn Wade, uh, been blind since six years old. I'm currently 57, so kind of getting used to it by now. I attended W. Ross McDonald School in Brantford from grades one to grade 12. That's where I got my first taste of most of my sport, sporting experience and endeavors. After leaving Brantford, I tried a number of different things by way of career development. Uh, I did go to college, got a uh, diploma in uh, management studies, and uh, did a few jobs like telemarketing, some factory work, things that 
again allowed me to learn what I what I liked, what I didn't like, what I was good at, what I wasn't so good at, and uh, ultimately landed a job at Rogers Communications. Spent 22 years at Rogers, moved from a frontline customer service position into a call center manager role and then into a back office uh, quality manager role. And uh, 22 years later, I retired two years ago. And I uh, was very fortunate that uh, once the old Freedom 55, as it used to be, uh, you very much heard years ago, but I think I, I reached that 55 mark and was fortunate slash blessed enough to be able to uh, step back and explore other options, other things I was interested in and uh, do things that I uh, want to do as opposed to, you know, the corporate world. Timing is a big part of a lot of what goes on in your life. And I think the timing was right to just start doing a little more of what I wanted to do. And that's where we are today. Uh, from a sporting perspective, a little about myself, uh, I've tried many sports over the years, um, kind of specialized in one in particular, goalball, and uh, was able to actually compete at a fairly high level there, uh, all the way to the Paralympics a couple of times. Competed on the Ontario team, represented Ontario about a dozen times at national championships. and. Uh, just uh, gained a lot from sports over the years. So a lot that I can certainly translate to day-to-day -day life and we'll, uh, we'll kind of come back around to some of that as we move through our uh, discussion a little more here too. Yeah, thank you so much. It sounds like you've really done a lot. Well, that's part of my uh, philosophy too, of just get out there and live life. I, you know, you know, a day at a time is about all we can consume it. And, you know, the old, you never know what's around the corner or what tomorrow brings, whatever. But let's make the most of today. And I, I really, you know, though I'm not perfect, I have my days where the couch calls my name and I, I don't maybe accomplish as much as I would have hoped I did or would. But uh, for the most part, I, I really do try to get out there and live life. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really good philosophy and good quotes to live by. Um, so you talked a little bit about being introduced to sports at your school. And what was it about sports that, you know, caught your interest or what did you like about them? I think what I discovered fairly early on with sports uh, would be that I could challenge myself. Um, that I really, in most cases at the time, being so young and that too, I was learning something new. So I've always enjoyed learning new things. I think you know most people would agree that you know we should be learning things every day, help uh, the old uh, fulfilling life again. But I I found that through sports I was learning new things. I, I learned how to really challenge myself, and it it taught me the skills that I would then go on to use in my day to day life. Things like teamwork. Um, individual sports versus team sports have a, you know, there, there are some similarities as far as the competitive nature, how you can challenge yourself, what have you, but yet there's other aspects that in a, in an individual sport, you, you realize that you are focused on your abilities, what you can do. And if you give up, there's no one else that has your back kind of thing. And what, what you see is what you get. Whereas in a team sport, you learn that 
you know, it's all for one and one for all. And uh, you do have each other's back and the, the communication. I think that's, that's one thing with team sport that you don't see as much in say an individual sport is the communication value that comes out of it. So, you know, learning those skills, I think there was a book, I never actually read it, but heard a lot about it. I think it was everything that I know I learned in kindergarten. And I think that that's kind of what I would compare sports to. Sports is my, my kindergarten, if you will. So that everything that I, uh, important that I know or use in life, I pretty much learned in sports, I feel like. It's interesting that you talk about the difference in individual versus team sports. And you talked a little bit about the different, well, you touched on it, the different lessons that you've taken away from being an athlete. Uh, Could you talk a little more about the major lessons that you've taken from being an athlete? Sure. Um, Digging down deep is one thing that I definitely learned uh, and that wasn't an overnight lesson or, uh, you know, something that I learned in a particular sport per se, but uh, through some encouragement of a coach I had years ago and just through learning more about myself through, you know, my uh, endeavors and uh, digging down deep. And I think that's that was key when I figured out that when you think you've gotten all you can out of your efforts or gone as deep as you can pressed as hard as you can finding that little bit extra and I think all of us can just we need to figure out how to find it and sports is a way that I found that I was able to do that and that certainly is one of the transferable skills if you will that I've carried with me Um, from a team perspective it's very advantageous to try to be part of different teams, whether it be the same sport or different sports. But I found that I've learned different things being part of different teams over the years, i.e. sometimes you're in more of a leadership role, depending on what you bring to the table that particular day or at that particular time in your life. But then there's other times that you may be taking a more secondary or more of a following role if you're a supportive role. And, you know, you don't always have to assume the same or whenever you join a team, assume the same role every time. And I think that's beneficial to, A, it, it allows you to grow as a person, but it also allows you in some cases to take breaks, if you will, because you know, I, I know that I've had a number of leadership roles over the years in different things. And, it can become a little tiring after us, you know, trying to always lead the charge as it were. And uh, sometimes you can provide just as much support or just as great an effort, but in more of a supportive way and uh, figuring out how you fit in to different situations. You know, if you take the time to evaluate, that's whenever I enter a new situation, whether it be in sports or professionally or what have you, or just a, a picnic in the park that when I first arrive on the scene, I really do try to take a bit of a time time to assess where do I fit in? What's the, what's the energy level and how can I, how can I adapt as opposed to making the situation adapt to me? And uh, I think that's something else. Again, almost everything I think I touch on, I can bring it back to sports because the game 
will develop its own energy, its own flow, its own direction. And having to adapt to that to be successful is, again, something else that came out of my time in sports. Yeah, that's that's great. Sounds like sports have been really valuable in providing some lessons that you're able to apply to your everyday life. Yes. So you touched a little bit on leadership and how sports kind of played an impact or impacted your leadership. You're currently the president of the Ontario Blind Sports Association. Um, How did you come into this role? Well, basically, Ontario Blind Sports Association was incorporated in 1984. Now, before that, I, I really started my foray into sports in about 1972 when I started at the school in Brantford. So the first 10, 12 years was really supported just through the School for the Blind in Brantford. OBSA, Ontario Blind Sports, was incorporated in 84, as I said, and that's when they took on the leadership role. And that's as I got into the real competitive area of my sporting life, that's the organization that supported me throughout that time. Uh, 1984 was my first experience with the Paralympics. And uh, 1992 was the second time round. I still competed at a fairly high level up until about 2000. Then it became a little bit more of a recreational uh, investment or interest because, uh, you know, again, sports at a high level can be fairly taxing on the body too. And it takes time for uh, training. And if if you're going to be at the top of your game, you do have to commit. And again, that's something else I've learned in sport. The more you put in, the more you're going to get out. The, the commitment. If you decide you're going to commit, see it through. And you will see the results. What you put in, what you get out. Um, so once I started dialing things back from a competitive nature, once I established my career at Rogers, what have you, it then started looking through the lens of how can I give back? I gained a lot through sports over the years, all the great things that I learned and opportunities I had. How can I make sure there's a healthy organization to continue along, make sure others get the same opportunity? And uh, I went to an event uh, 2011 to help support a goalball program in Toronto with Ontario Blind Sports. And that was the first time I'd really looked at the administrative side, if you will, of the organization. And I I went out to the event thinking, how can I help recruit people for this? How can I help support it in what way? And in talking to the executive director, the discussion came around to that board level that they were looking to really revamp their board and uh, bring in new new blood, as it were, new ideas, new energy. And I agree. I, I thought at the time, yeah, it'd be great to be part of that and help shape the future. And I thought uh, maybe I can become a uh, secretary, treasurer, or a community liaison, something like that on the board. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call uh, asking to chair a committee for a particular recruitment uh, focus, 
I did that for that particular call. And after the call was done, I guess, I think it was a bit of a test, actually. <laughs> and uh, I got a call about five minutes after that particular meeting ended, asking me if I would put my hat in the ring for the upcoming elections for the president. And that was 2012. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. We're still, still here in the role. That's amazing. It sounds like you really impressed the board. They really wanted you. <laughs> Or they had nobody else. Right? No, no, <laughs> no. no I, I think I uh, it, my experience probably uh, led to a good fit there, and uh, you know, knowing the organization, knowing what I wanted to to give, and what I wanted to make sure was uh, was going to be still alive moving forward. And I think it, yeah, it was a good fit. I guess it boils down to. Yeah, um, I think you might have touched on this a little bit, but. As the president of the Ontario Blind Sports Association, what is your philosophy surrounding sports and the the blind or sight loss community? Philosophy, I guess, right boiled down to the deepest roots would be just get out there and do something, just figure it out, and that's I think uh, one of the one of the things that I always lived my life by is figure it out and I think uh, a lot of times we can get a little bit held back or slowed down by that you know when we're sometimes looking for ready-made answers or uh, things that whether it be equipment or programs or what have you something that's in place to to answer my question or to fill my void or what have you but and in mo- a lot of cases, they should be there, and it's great when they are. But if they're not, let's figure it out. Let's do something. So if you're sports-minded or want to learn more about sports and there's not a particular program in your community, what have you, get out there and start with something. Bounce a ball or kick a ball around or uh, just run across a field or something. Get out there and start, and then... You know, you figure it out from there, whether it's uh, then approaching a, a local community track club, if it's running you're interested in, or, you know, uh, just shoe stores. You know, I know I've gone in to buy running shoes and they've had uh, groups in there or posters on the wall talking about recruiting uh, runners for, you know, more long distance cross country type running and that, you know, you can uh, get involved with things that way. And uh, from a philosophy perspective, I guess, too, I'd say that, you know, the social aspect, it can often be, especially in a a community where you don't know other blind, visually impaired people, it can be difficult to to meet people sometimes. And, you know, uh, that's through sport. It's a great way to uh, socialize. And I think everybody, no matter what, whether you had a disability or not, would agree that, uh, again, the social aspect is important. So there's a lot of, I would say, similar or parallel philosophies that uh, really hold true that it's, it's as important uh, for, for anybody. I think it's just, it's, it's a staple, I think, in, or should be a staple in life that you get out there and uh, just be physical. Yeah, I think that's, I really like your philosophy of getting up and, and doing something and making those kind of modifications or adaptations if you need and finding what works for you. Um, so you've talked a little bit about goalball a couple of times. Could you give kind of like 
a quick summary of what goalball is, maybe for listeners who've never heard of it. I know I've never heard of it, or I hadn't heard of it before. Certainly, yeah. Goalball is a uh, team sport that's played in a gym on a court the same size as a volleyball court, 30 feet wide, 60 feet long, or 9 meters by 18 meters. Yes, even though I learned the metric system in grade four, I think it was, I still find myself reverting back to uh, inches and feet and yards, but uh, so nine meters by 18 meters. Um, the net is the full width of the court. There's a net at either end of the court. The team consists of three players on the court. You've got, uh, and you're spread out across the width of the court. You've got a center position which is in the center, as denoted, and then a person on each side, a right winger and a left winger. Now, the three players, you stay stationary or you stay within a, a boxed-in area in front of your net. And the team, that's called the team area, and that is uh, three meters from goal line up to three meters forward. And then it's the full width of the court. So there's tape on the floor with twine underneath the tape that allows a tactile uh, ability to feel where you are. You can feel it usually through your shoes. Uh, some people might want to reach down and touch it with their hands, what have you. But with the twine and the tape, really, you can kind of orient yourself through the, the your shoes and uh, where exactly you are on the court. And you just become accustomed to your surroundings, too, and uh, become fairly fairly adept at uh, knowing where you are most of the time. And uh, there's markings for the, to help keep the players separate so they're not running into each other. That you kind of stay within your area of the court. The ball is slightly larger than a basketball, has bells in it. So you're rolling the ball underhand down the court, and then the other team at the other end is, again, facing you in a similar situation. Their job is to stop the ball and return it so the ball has to be rolling on the floor there's a again three meter line in front of so it's out from the goal line and there'll be six meters out the ball has to be on the floor before it crosses that line otherwise it's considered a high ball and then a penalty is uh, assessed and bad things happen usually get scored on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in that case you know you would defend uh, one player alone would defend the net but so it's basically a back and forth. You're throwing the ball underhand, back and forth, back and forth, volley like tennis in a way. And um, in defense, you're trying to stop the ball with your body. Really, you want to cover as much area as possible. So you generally it's down, spread out, stretch hands above your head with protecting your face as much as you can as well, because the ball is fairly heavy and uh, moves fairly quickly. So. If at all possible, you want to try to take the ball in your midsection, uh, upper legs, that kind of area where it's good coverage and doesn't hurt as much. So it's a uh, it, very fast sport. You only have 10 seconds from the time the ball reaches your end of the court to control it, pick it up, and throw it back. And the ball has to be crossing center again back to the other team before uh, before the 10 seconds expire or, again, another one of those nasty penalties. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't seen it, have the opportunity to maybe uh, look up on YouTube. There's a lot of videos out there, too, 
but uh, it's it's a very competitive, very active physical game, and again allows you to the, the communication from a team perspective. You know, you can't it, you're relying on your hearing, so you can't have a lot of real loud verbal communication or extensive communication. You've got to figure out how to communicate quickly and reasonably quietly so that you're not sometimes giving away too much information to the other team if it's location wise or how you want to maybe move uh, your next shot or something like that so you figure out how to communicate uh in ways that again you transferable to other parts of your life again um it's a sport that i think you you, you can play it at different levels too and it's just as rewarding and you know some of my though i've played at the paralympics some of my more memorable games if you will just been pickup games in the gym after lunch at school what have you it's you know yes you can really have fun with it and it's also a sport that can be played on a level playing field if you will that fully sighted people can play goalball and be at the same advantage or disadvantage as the blind person beside them because everybody has to wear a blindfold. A full-leader blacked-out ski goggles is kind of the official blindfold of goalball, and that levels the playing field because uh, you're all then just relying on your hearing and your orientation of the tape on the floor, communication with your teammates, and uh, the game goes on. Thank you for that, that was a really good explanation. I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube because it sounds like a really intense, sounds like my kind of sport. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by all means, uh, find an opportunity to come out and try it too. We certainly, uh, our office staff, uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about that probably as we're wrapping up a little more, but uh, try a day's opportunities to, uh, to get out and try different things. That's great. And I know you mentioned going to the Paralympics for goalball. I have to ask how Canada did. <laughs> well, in 1984, we had a very young team. Um, Canada was fairly new to goalball at the time. I think we came seventh out of 12 teams that year. And in 1992, we came fifth out of 12 teams. Now, in my humble opinion, we should have got the bronze medal that year because uh, two of the teams, a couple of the players got caught looking under their blindfolds. They didn't have a standardized eye shade at the time. Being as blind, visually impaired, you can have up to 10% vision at the Olympic level. Um, some players were playing with a lot of sight and were actually able to look, tilt their head and look under the goggles. So the teams that came third and fourth that year, it was found after that they had players that were utilizing their sight to a fairly large degree to, to give them an advantage. So I, uh, not that I'm bitter, but I feel like we should have had the bronze medal that year. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> So uh, we, I was on a team 1985 at the World Cup where we finished uh, with a bronze medal. So uh, was able to certainly experience that, uh, you know, at, at that level uh, on the international stage. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and now a message from our sponsor. 
Discover AMI's collection of podcasts created by and for the blind and partially sighted community. Visit AMI.ca to learn more. AMI entertains, informs, and empowers. And now, back to the podcast. I think it's really great that, you know, there's Goalball and there's the Ontario Blind Sports Association. There's places where individuals who are blind or experiencing sight loss can come together to participate in the different sports. But do you think that there's opportunity for some of these different adaptations or modifications to be made, you know, in school gym classes or in community centers? So to be more inclusive. Uh, yes, definitely. And that's where I think uh, OBSA strives to try to be the leader in that area and to, you know, we, we can't run every program, as I said, or, you know, uh, provide every sport adaptation. So our goal or focus in a lot of cases is to get out there and help people make the adapt ad- adaptations themselves. And schools, to your point, schools, a great area. A lot of our, our program manager does spend a lot of time with uh, resource teachers and uh, phys ed teachers to, to help see how they can incorporate uh, adaptations into their gym classes. And goalball, a number of teachers have actually seen goalball and discovered it can be because, again, it's that inclusive sport where it's a level playing field. You might only have one blind, visually impaired student in your class, but you put a blindfold on everybody, and uh, again, it's that levels of playing field. So we do, we have gotten the word out there and a few goal balls out there to to allow that to happen in gym classes, uh, and that that continues today. We have again our outreach programs uh, through OBSA that. That is a, definitely an ongoing effort. Um, community centers, I think we can do a better job uh, in that area. Similar approach, but uh, you know, just finding finding the right audience or finding the right person for the uptake. Because you know, you got to have someone who has the the energy or the drive to to want to do it as well. So that is an ongoing uh, effort or focus of ours and. Uh, I think we are making some headways and, you know, of course the pandemic, like uh, most things slowed that down significantly, but we're getting back at it now. And I think it allowed us time to reassess our approach on some of these things too. So I think we're, uh, we're looking at that community level of how we can educate the community and uh, provide more opportunities that way. Yeah, that's great. I think that's moving in a good direction to kind of, you know, make sure that all the athletes who want to play sports and participate are being included in these spaces. Yeah. Um, do you have any any advice for for teachers, for parents, or community directors who are kind of looking to make their spaces and sports more accessible, but maybe don't know where to start? I think a good place to start would be reaching out to us at the Ontario Blind Sports Association or other similar organizations that support blind visually impaired. They may not necessarily be a sports organization per se, but they can at least start by aligning with folks who have a comfort level with blindness, visual impairment, 
and and that kind of comes along to I think one of the things we uh, often talk about when it comes to sports is adapting and how do you adapt sports. In a lot of cases, the adaptations have taken place or you know are out there, whether it be modifying equipment, uh, could be just color, size, audible versus non-audible. You know, uh, for example, baseball. Um, there's a beeping baseball on the market that you can either hit off of a tee or have it pitched to you. But you pull a plug. There's a, a hole inside of the ball with a speaker and uh, you know an internal battery system, and it's slightly larger than a baseball, about size of a softball, really. And uh, it has a constant. Once you pull the plug out, a constant beeping sound, which allows you to locate the ball. Uh, hockey. There's a puck with ball bearings that's used today. A metal disc with hollow with ball bearings in it that the ball bearings will rattle around and that gives you the audible location of the puck and uh, other than that uh, pretty well every other sport even running you know from a guide running perspective there's ways to run with your guide and people you've got to find what's comfortable for you whether it be a tether like a string a rope that you each person holds with a foot or two slack between them that gives you kind of some leeway to move a little more freely or you may want a little more contact and you may hold the person's arm just above the elbow so that you know you have contact all the time now that is again a little less free movement and uh, maybe a little more restrictive but at least you can get out there and run one of the challenges teaching sport to a person, especially someone who's totally blind, is I think what you would call physical uh, physical literacy. That you know, how do you how do you throw a ball? It's one thing to say to uh, an eight year old child who's totally blind, "Okay, here here's a baseball, throw it." Okay, well, how do I? I've never seen someone throw a ball. Well, you know, what does that look like? So, being able to walk them through to to show them what a throwing motion looks like. <laughs> I still can't. I've had a number of people try to teach me how to throw a baseball, and I still can't properly throw a baseball. So as athletic as I've been able to be or as uh, out there in many different sports, I still haven't mastered that one. But uh, So th that can definitely be a challenge. Uh, the other thing is to allow, if, if you do have, if you're developing a sport or a program, allow the opportunity for people to to make it their own and to get out of it what what they're looking to get out of it um early on i spoke about what i one of the things i got out of sport was that it let me challenge myself and learn and it's you can include people in sport so at a community level you could bring Johnny out and let him shoot a hockey puck or hit a golf ball or something, which is great. Don't certainly discourage that. But if you really want Johnny to, to be able to test himself or push the limits, dig down deep, there's got to be an opportunity to, to do that and for him to measure him or her to measure their progress too. Because, you know, that's the other thing. Whenever you're trying to make progress on whether it be in the professional world or uh, sport, whatever, it's you've got to be able to measure something to know whether you are improving or not or 
know, competing against others. You don't know where you stand unless you're competing against someone else or a, a clock or something. But, you know, so you've got to have that opportunity to, to measure and to challenge and not just participate if, if the person is looking to challenge themselves that little bit more. Thank you for that. I think that's a lot of really great advice. Um, so if, if anyone listening, you know, wants to sign up for any of the different programs that the Ontario Blind Sports Association offers, is there some place they can go to get more information? Yes. Um, our website is blindsports.on.ca. Um we have two office staff, an executive director and a program manager, both based in Toronto. They, they travel fairly extensively. This past summer, they've been in Ottawa. Um, I think they might have been up to Sudbury. They, they try to get around as much as possible. And uh, if not, we certainly, they will certainly support uh, as much from a distance. And I think we've all learned how much more we can do <laughs> from a distance too these days. So definitely supportive in that way so if they can't get to you they'll at least help you build something uh, richard richard amillard is our program manager and he can be reached via email at richard at blindsports.on.ca and rhonda rhonda gohari is our executive director now rhonda is spelled little different than the typical way it's r-a-n-d-a instead of the r-h that you would typically see with Rhonda. so it's r-a-n-d-a at blindsports.on.ca and uh, they'd certainly be happy to help you out now as far as i'm concerned in my my background my network that i think i've established over the years and what have you and ideas and just I guess, willingness or want to, passion to help. If anybody wants to reach out to me, by all means, I'd certainly do what I could to support as well or brainstorm, what have you, make connections. I can be reached at Glenn, Glenn with one N, G-L-E-N-W at rogers.com. And I don't mind giving a number either to uh, connect to me. Cell is 548 883-4536. And uh, certainly have a conversation that way too. If if computers weren't your uh, how you wanted to communicate live and in person better. Yeah, thanks, Glenn, for taking the time to speak with me today. You know, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but I've been a soccer player my my whole life. And I really resonated with what you spoke about when you talked about the different lessons that you've taken away from being an athlete. And, you know, I, I do have my vision and I have sight. And I think it's great that the parallels there that we've both taken away similar lessons and have been able to use what we've learned in sports and apply that to everyday life. So I just wanted to thank you again for sitting down with me and, and having this conversation. Well, that's great to hear. And thanks for sharing that, Madeline, because I think it will help maybe even uh, ease uh, anyone's, if anyone's anxious about, you know, how they can proceed or what they might get out of it, what have you, to just know that uh, 
your experience is similar in that it's it's basically uh, an open book and it's get what you can and uh, because one of the things that I struggled with early on in my sporting days if you will is that how could I find the sport or how could I get the same experience as my sighted counterparts my you know family members or friends what have you and Early on, I felt like before I really learned about the competitive nature of blind sport goalball, especially, I, I did feel like I was just being coddled to or, you know, uh, someone providing, patting me on the head and saying, oh, yeah, you can participate too. But till I really learned and realized that what I was getting out of it was the same as everyone else. And that that was an eye opener for me. And I think your your validation, if you will, is uh, certainly valuable. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you again for taking the time. I'm sure our listeners and, and I really appreciate it. Awesome. Since this recording, Madeline has graduated from the Occupational Therapy Program at the University of Toronto and is working as an occupational therapist in school-based rehabilitation services in Perry Sound, Ontario. Congrats, Madeline. You've earned your extra credit and got to have some fun talking about sports on a podcast for all to hear. How about that? The Balance team wishes you all the best in your future endeavors, and we might be seeing you in a goalball tournament down the road. This wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back behind the mic again for next month's show, and it's going to be a doozy, so keep your eye out on your podcast feed and our YouTube channel. Special thanks to Madeline Somerville, Glenn Wade, our producer Jeffrey Rainey, executive producer Deborah Gold, and the entire team at Balance for Blind Adults. Get in touch with the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter by searching Balance for Blind Adults and chat with other listeners in the Living Blind Listeners Facebook group. You can also email us at livingblindpodcast at balancefba.org. For more information about Balance for Blind Adults and our programs and services, or to access the show notes and transcription of this episode, please visit us at www.balancefba.org. I'm Naomi Hazlitt, and this has been Living Blind. My sports, your sports, blind sports. Thanks for listening. Is it finally time to get rid of that car, truck, boat, RV, or motorcycle you've been planning on selling or fixing up, but just never have? Consider Donate a Car Canada. They accept vehicle donations on behalf of Balance for Blind Adults. You can drop off or arrange free towing from most areas of Canada. Your vehicle will either be recycled or auctioned off. Once complete, you'll get a tax receipt and a donation will be made to Balance. Sounds like everyone wins to me. Check out our website at www.balancefba.org slash ways to give to find out more.